and I got a message from Space Rahmani saying something about like Adobe that I messed up a signature or something. And I was like, well, I'm in a work meeting now. Can it wait? Like, um, I can't really leave the meeting right now. They're like, no, no, it's urgent. <laughs> well, wow. okay. So I, t I went outside and in this conference room, like it was all glass door. Like it was, a, there was a just, like it was all just glass. And they were all in the conference room having their meeting. And I just went outside to just get, take the call. And uh, she, um, like, like, uh, like Michaela from Space for Humanity, she said, "Oh, I'm just gonna re take a recording because uh, just in case you need, you have trouble with Adobe again." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> okay, just you can." <laughs> and then they told me that I was going to space, wow. and like, that was the most intense moment of my life. Like being told that I was going to space, it was such an overwhelming feeling and I couldn't believe it like I kept saying no 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 <laughs> <laughs> I kept just on repeating no okay now release arms Welcome to a new episode of Community in Arabic with me, Anwar and Malik. Uh, today, I want to introduce a very special guest, uh, uh, Sara Sabri. Sara is the first rider of the Mصرية and Arabian, and Africa. Sara is a PhD student currently in the North Dakota, in the field وعم تشتغل على تطوير بدلات فضاء next generation بدعم وتمويل من ناسا سارة welcome to the show thank you so much I appreciate it nice to meet you both thank you yeah nice meeting you as well we're excited to chat with you so Sara you come from a very interesting background you're like half Egyptian half Lebanese and you've lived in multiple countries you know خبرينا شوي عن background تبعك you know your upbringing and your immigration journey yeah of course um, I'm very proud to be Egyptian and Lebanese, of course, and I hold it's a very, and yeah, of course, we have this soft spot to our part of the world. Actually, we have like this warmth with this culture that is really different than a lot of places in the world. But, um, but yeah, it's been a wild ride. I have lived in different countries, but I think a lot of like you guys as well, like a lot of immigrants, this is, you know, what happens. You have to move around to look for the best opportunities to see what, where in the world you can have the most impact. And I, I just happened to be, to have like lived in Italy for a little while, in Berlin for some time, um, and now in the US. Now I'm based in Colorado for the, for the past few months and then for the coming few months, but then I'm going to be moving again. But it's, um, it's a life of like a lot of movement, but I really like the saying, and no, we're not trees. <laughs> we're meant to be moving. Um, it's, it's, it's enjoyable, to be honest. I, I like the fact that I get to experience different cultures with different parts of the world while doing my work, while being able to really work on my career. Nice. Uh, Sarah, the movement that you talked about والتناول والإميغريشن كيف أعطوك برسبكتيف to approach your career and uh, personal growth that's a good question um, and I, when, I, when, I, when I was moving كنت على طول بدور على whatever was best in the moment for me I was, I was always moving for a specific purpose so I would never really move to a place without knowing what I was going to do then when it comes to my career I used to really travel a lot before and actually during yani both when I must after I finished my bachelor's I went traveling around Africa and volunteering for three months but there everything was unstable everything was uncertain and I didn't know where I was going to sleep Masalan the next day um, it's very different now where yes I am moving around a lot because I do have to have commitments with speaking engagements all over the world but I am still moving but there's always like a specific purpose but it's always geared toward my career it's always for work it's always for something that i need to be doing um it's um i've always looked and that's where and you know when i first left egypt it was in 2017 it's only five years ago um coming on like only almost six so when i first left it was because of like an opportunity that I was looking for. But I thought, oh, no, Egypt cannot give me this right now. Um, so I thought, oh, no, okay, maybe going to Italy, I'll be able to work on whatever I'm passionate about 
where maybe bring it back to Egypt one day. So it was always in my head and uh, no, until now. And I still work abroad, but I still try to as much as I can to bring back opportunities to Egypt. Oh, in our part of the world. So it's always trying to find any in between where I'm trying to do find opportunities for myself by going abroad, but also bringing them back because I have been in that situation where I didn't have those opportunities or this lack of accessibility. But I do always think about you know, there's always something that you can do. If you are in a position where you're able to do something, you have an obligation to do something about it. But that's why I always like try to bring it back. But it's a little bit all over. But yes, that's kind of like, that's my life. (laughs) Looking back, did you feel like, you know, you had a clear vision of where you're going to end up? Or was it just like, let's clinch the next opportunity and see where it takes me? And could you have told five years ago and you're going to be here today? No, I... Five years ago, I would have never thought I would be going like I would have gone to space that I would be an astronaut or that I would, I would be doing all of this. Honestly, five years ago, it was very, very different. And I, I thought I was going to be and I always really thought, you know, I wanted to have an impact on the world. And that can be is really this is my mission in life. This is my purpose. But what that was exactly wasn't very and I wasn't really picky on what that would be. And I just wanted to know another you know, one thing that I told myself since I was a kid was, you know, I wanted to at least try to save one life in my life, you know, okay. for that was kind of like the thing that I grew up with. That's why I got into biomedical engineering. I thought like, if I'm not going to be, actually, I was debating between um, either getting into the medical field, I was staying in engineering because then I did my bachelor's in mechanical engineering, mm-hmm. but I loved engineering. I loved finding solutions, innovating, but I thought, you know, biomedical engineering can be the best of both worlds where, okay, I can save lives at the same time, where maybe not one life at a time, you know, you can save a lot more lives at the same time. But that was why I went into biomedical engineering because I wanted to apply the engineering side into the medical field and hopefully like fulfill my purpose in life. But then the more I got into it, the more I realized, you know, there is so much more in this world come in. Well, the more I learned about the space field, well, I just know, wow, there's so much that we still don't know. And we rely on physicists, rely on the knowledge and know um, someone else is doing something somewhere in the world, but probably they know better. But this is what we grow up on our side of the world thinking. And you know, being an astronaut or working in the space field was just not something that you grew up like being exposed to at all. Um, it was never had to something that I could dream of because you didn't see it. Yani, you have no representation of Arabs growing up. And I'm sure you guys, yani, it was the same for you guys. We grew up not having like a single person that looked like us in the field. Right. But it's not something that you see yourself being able to do. Um, when I got into the space field, I thought that there is this, like that I can use my skills. It's possible that I could maybe push the field forward. Well, I thought well, the more I learned about it, the less I under like the less I knew because I realized at the A there is so much lack of knowledge and the physics side of things and the astrophysics. But that is belly kind of kind of spiked this obsession into treating it as a problem. And no, this is a big problem that we're having and as like for all of us as humanity, because this influences all of our lives. This is the future of humanity, basically. Where our past come in. It's about understanding where we're coming from and also understanding where we're heading. Um, like and also finding solution to where we're heading but I took the same mentality from like all of my life to like wanting to to have an impact to 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 push any to help humanity as much as I can I realized you know the space field could do that and that the space field has potentially the biggest impact on humanity um, more than any other field that exists because it is literally everything and it touches all of the fields that we have Mm -hmm. Well, seeing that my background is in mechanical engineering or biomedical, it fit perfectly into the field where I thought, you know, okay, I could do something about it. So I continued into that where I really completely isolated for like a year from a lot of things where I really put everything that I had into it. Well, you'd be surprised like when you give something your all that you're able to achieve a lot in a short amount of time. So, um, no, I but I didn't think it would be happening this soon okay <laughs> <laughs> wow. but uh, i'm very grateful and thankful and and completely just of course honored that um i, I have been able to achieve these you're, you're clearly driven by a lot of passion that's really amazing <laughs> thank you sarah uh, 
طبعا بعد ما يصير عندنا باشن about a certain topic there's a lot of training that follows uh, and uh, uh, I was reading I was really impressed صراحة by by the bio and and uh, the amount of training it needs to go into this uh, um, to to reach space right فحكينا أكثر عن Uh, I know you did a lot of training and uh, simulation and uh, all these uh, steps um, leading to the mission. So if you can just walk us uh, and training you did to reach the mission. Yeah, of course. Um, usually how it works with... We've always... been used to the ter- like the term astronaut being associated with a person who is selected by their government to go to space. Mm-hmm. Bahama, mm-hmm. they're usually funded by their governments, they're trained by their governments, and then they are selected. They have to wait, of course, Yani. Could, they could wait 10 years before being able to, after completing their astronaut training, before being able to actually go to space. Mm-hmm. Because the opportunities are so little, for governmental astronauts. But now we're living in a new and very, very exciting era where we have commercial astronauts and we have civilian astronauts, where it's a really new thing that I think it's a lot of exposure on because it's just very new and it's finally affecting our side of the world. But it's really exciting and I think it should bring like a lot more hope for kids in our side of the world. But in terms of the training that I did, because my... in my country i we don't have a human space flight program but for me it was never it's never a possibility for me to be selected by my country no matter like my credentials or training that i'd done or my psychological um like fitness or whatever but um, what i did was that and i'm gonna prepare myself just in case for when the day when the opportunity comes mm. when i kid the kid i'm working on a, a lot other a lot of other things relating to the the, the research side of things in space and like a few other things related to entrepreneurship. But kida kida, yani, the time is going. I'm going to prepare myself along the way because there's no harm in being ready for the, when the day it comes. So I reached out, uh, yani, like what I did was like completely independent training um, where I went and did a moon mission simulation in Poland. So mm-hmm. It's um, a company called Lunaris Research Station. So you spend two weeks in complete isolation in a, in a confined and isolated environment wow. where you're simulating being on the moon for two weeks with wow. other astronauts. But you have a very strict schedule, um, li- like literally how it would be like to be on the moon. But we had no access to daylight for not, not a single window. For everything is artificial light. We had no coffee, no, no caffeine because we had experimentation, like we had a research being done on several things, but we didn't want the caffeine to be uh, messing up the data that was being collected. And we were only eating freeze-dried food. Oh, but oh. it gets, yani, it's, it's, and after two weeks of For eating two freeze-dried weeks. food, you'd be surprised <laughs> wow. at how much you miss a cucumber. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yani, anything that has water inside, right. you put the water in yourself. And you have to like, because also when you're an astronaut in space, uh, because of the reduced uh, level of gravity, you lose bone muscle mass or muscle atrophy, which you use, you use, uh, you lose of the bone mass and muscle mass. I combine the two in my words, but it's the two. Uh, and a few other things related to cardiovascular deconditioning because of the fluid shift and no, um, the load. when you're standing up you have gravity pushing you down but you have an incentive for your blood to be going down so but when you're in reduced gravity your blood goes up there's a lot of things that happen for your cardiovascular system and your bones don't have any incentive to be like producing more mass for you're losing bone mass and your muscles because you're not using them anymore and of course like if you don't go to the gym for a little while and you don't have gravity telling it to move things when you're carrying this in zero g or in reduced gravity in one sixth gravity it's not as heavy anymore for your muscles are not even using being used that much for you you're losing more and more muscle mass for to counteract that astronauts on the iss let's say need to be working out six times a week i think it's two hours per day but we had to simulate the same thing on our mission too for we had one hour every single day except on eva days So we were working out every single day. We had EVAs, which are extravehicular activities. But those mm-hmm. were the most fun. So every other day we were sh- switching um, like between our, our astronaut crew. And what we did was basically go on the surface of the moon 
like it's not really the moon, but it was the nuclear bunker. It's completely isolated from the world. Bardo. And you wear a spacesuit, you have your rover, you have like everything that you know, almost exactly what you would experience on the surface of the moon um, and in space. For you simulate the whole thing for you. It's really physically demanding. Uh, it's psychologically demanding. Also, we do a lot of medical tests and I was a medical crew. Um, I was a medical officer in my crew. For I was responsible for taking care of the health of my crew. For we were doing medical checkups in the morning, medical checkups in the evenings, medical checkups in the middle of the day side when we had like those spacewalks. But it was a very demanding job and everything like we had so many ongoing research projects at the same time. Um, so we were doing research, we were working, we were taking care of each other, we had like habitat, um, like we had to take care of the habitat. So really you're, and your end came in full on top of all of this, on top of all of the stress of being like basically with strangers for two weeks, completely isolated from, from, from the world, you are isolated from the world. But you're wow. not in contact with family or friends. You're not in contact with 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 the news or or or, or social media or anything that's going on in the world. But it really creates it really changes things psychologically. Your dreams feel different. Your you know, there's a lot of really really interesting things and really interesting data that comes out of these simulations. Um, and now like our whole astro analog astronaut community. So this, when you, when you've done such a mission, you're called an analog astronaut. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a huge, huge analog astronaut community now that is being developed with just to get like very accurate data from these, because these, this is really, really, really valuable data. It's almost as valuable as sending people to, to space, because when you're in space, when you're under any restrictions by NASA or ESA getting those psychological data the psych the, the psychology part of it is really difficult because it's when you're let's say when you're a nasa astronaut you when you go to space and you want to fill out like a, a psychology like a psychology questionnaire you're going to be very reluctant to actually share real stories because you want to be able to go back to space right so wow. if you're having any difficulties Rikida, usually nasa astronauts or esa astronauts or any governmental astronauts they're very um like of course high achievers highly competitive and um they're not gonna want anything to 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 basically affect the chance of them going back again from mm -hmm. so, the data that we're getting from them is Maybe we're not able bit. to get true yes. data for mm -hmm. so, uh, the closest thing that we could do to get this data to be able to sustain long duration space missions in the future is to do these analog missions on earth mm -hmm. so i cannot emphasize the importance of doing these um so this is one of the types of trainings that i've done so this was really really useful it has taught me so much about you know my my strengths as well as my weaknesses and the strengths that i've discovered during this during this mission was you know one of them was that i found that i was the psych crew psychologist at the same time which honestly before going on this mission i didn't know i would be that person but it was really surprising. I I'm, you know, I was very happy to know that I deal really well with conflict. Let's say where I was able to calm down difficult situations that were happening between some crew members. But this you can use in your in your real life, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you know what your strengths are or your weakness, what your weaknesses are, you can use them in the real in, in the real world. Mm -hmm. so you're able to utilize what you know about yourself and become more self aware. With same thing with the weaknesses that you have, you know that that I mean, I'm feeling this imposter syndrome now, like at this stage of this mission. But if you talk about it with the rest of the crew, you're gonna find out that everyone is feeling the same way. And know the you need to combat this imposter syndrome, which I suffer from all the time. Yani, it's constant for me. It's just something that I have to live with. We just have to, you know, shut down and not let it affect my work because it's constantly there you can't any i cannot emphasize enough about like how that's really really it's always there but there's a lot that you learn from missions like this well here this analog mission i did this um astronaut training program which is called project possum so this qualifies you to do research in suborbital space so suborbital is just when you exit the app like when you when you exit earth basically and um you have not reached orbit yet so mm -hmm. you have not reached any the 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 any the, the international the, the, space the, the, station the level maybe. that's high enough to be able yes. to orbit any <clears throat> exit the earth's gravity basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any, 
the perceived gravity action okay the correctness yeah. there is still gravity but it's not perceived that's why we call it microgravity and not zero g just want to like get yeah. the correct uh, okay. fact okay. <laughs> but it's a it's a small thing um but i did this program what i was really really interesting as well it gave it gives you a broad like understanding of what you could do like in suborbital space uh what type of research that could be done so we did um uh, we went on um we did like an aerobatic flight. So basically you go on a really small airplane and you experience different Gs. So different gravity um, like levels on your body where you try to practice different breathing techniques to combat that so that you don't pass out basically. <laughs> but that's really interesting. And that's honestly some of them, not gonna lie, it's some of the most fun I've had in my life. Um, and um, when, I, when we did it, I reached negative three Gs, which is any the opposite kiddo. So when you're experiencing these kids, where plus um, I reached plus eight G's, which is a lot, any a lot, a lot. Um, it's um, I I was really close to passing out, to be honest. <laughs> it wow. was really close, but it, it was I just sustained it for a few seconds. Um, but it's really really interesting. It's a very important feeling to experience, like because this is what fighter jets have to go through when you're when you're um, when you're a pilot and you have to go through like with high speeds on a jet and stuff, and you you experience this on your body, and you need, need to be able to contract your core in a certain way, to be able to breathe in a certain way. So because if you're piloting the plane, you can't pass out, like you can't afford it. Um, and I got to of course pilot the airplane for like some time that was really really uh, interesting and with that we also did a lot of spacesuit training so um we wore pressurized spacesuits so you pressurize it so um basically um like we had to also understand like you had to equalize so i don't know if anyone like if you guys have done scuba diving so when you're equalizing basically if you go down um if you're scuba diving in the water the pressure increases so you need to be able to like equalize in your inner sinuses and your in your any in your system. Um, Ashen, when you go down, the volume of air changes. Ashen, the pressure outside changes. But when you go back up again, it expands. It's the same um, concept, but inside a, a spacesuit. But you need to get used to it. It's a strange feeling at first, and you're kind of like in a bubble. In like an outline, like a balloon on it, actually. So you understand how difficult it is to 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 pick up a bottle or to if you're in the spacesuit, because also there are spacesuits that are meant to be worn um inside the spaceship. So it's called an intravehicular um, activity spacesuit. So we trained with that um at this facility. And you had to basically like we were in a simulator for a spaceship uh, two, where we simulated the whole trip of like going to space like we had to take certain images for, you had to like press certain buttons in a certain order you had to like make sure where we were okay that all while wearing the spacesuit that adds to the difficulty because you don't have the mobility you have also like um this this strangeness strange environment that you're in where the pressure is different you know um and you can increase that you're in a highly pressurized spacesuit um so that was really interesting to experience as well because this is what my phd is on too but because anna my work is on this it's really important for me to be able to experience the user side for me to be engineering the best that I can do, Ashen. I think it's really, really important to be on both sides, to, to experience it physically and to know like that you're designing something that you could potentially use yourself. So you want it, if, um, it's it's really, it's really important to have this relationship that to always know like the user side of things. And we did a bunch of other stuff, of course. Oh yes, please. Sarah, question, the uh, training in the spacesuit, uh, you spend days or hours in that? No. Uh, while you're talking, hella, يعني فكرت كتير مثلاً على عن how to eat, the acid reflux, how to keep the food down, all these kind of stuff. Um, no, so we spent minutes in the spacesuit. Okay, so it. you can spend hours inside the spacesuit. So okay. when you're on the ISS, let's say, like some astronauts spend uh, maybe eight hours in wow. a spacesuit. But sometimes they do have like little uh, like liquids to drink. Okay, yeah. um. But you don't really eat or do much work. Oh Sometimes they like astronauts can wear diapers um, as well in a spacesuit wow. if you're like in a really, really long EVA. So there is like it's not the 
best situation you know <laughs> best it's what you have to do like when you're yes, right. <laughs> when you're in the in a space suit and you have to do your work basically because it's also a very dangerous environment when you're in deep like in outer space like it's it wants to kill you when you're in the right. vacuum it just wants to kill you but you're not going to be really thinking much about like eating and <laughs> just surviving <laughs> and like <laughs> just... <laughs> nice. yeah so sarah um, Fast forward to your, um, you know, New Shepard mission, which is a suborbital mission operated by Blue Origin. How did the opportunity come about? When did you first hear about it? And how is like the selection process for it? So I heard about it, I think a few days before the deadline. Oh. <laughs> so it was, um, it was something that I applied to that, you know, you just apply to things and you don't really expect much out of them. But you say, like, I have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's what I did. And I, I just found this, like, post about Space for Humanity where I thought, oh, that they're a nonprofit. I looked them up. Um, they're sending, they want to send more people to space to experience this overview effect and then bring this, like, new perspective back on Earth. Mm -hmm. But they select people based on their leadership experience and potential for global impact and then get, send them to space. But they don't tell you what they're going to send you to space on. They don't like because they partner with different um, uh, providers. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really just to be able to need. The whole point is to see Earth from space. But there was a lot of applicants, of course, and I had no doubts. I know there would be thousands and thousands and thousands of applicants. But I thought, OK, I'm just going to apply to it. And um, in July, I it was really crazy actually like I was in Egypt strangely and the funny I have a really funny story here like about yeah. this whole thing so I was in Egypt for a few events that I was working on with the Egyptian Space Agency and the International Moon Day was coming so there was like a huge thing coming up in Egypt as well and I had invited um, SpaceX astronaut Dr. Cyan Proctor if you don't know who she is like there's a really really good Netflix documentary called The Countdown I believe on so yeah. I think you should really watch it so she's a good friend of mine as well so I invited her to Egypt, her and Christina Corp. So Christina used to be Buzz Aldrin's manager for 10 years. Uh, he's the second man to be walking yes, on the moon with Neil Armstrong. Um, so they were both in Egypt with me. We had a lot of work and events and like we had so much going on. Um, and then one night <clears throat> at 1 a.m. I get an email saying you're a finalist. And I was wow. like, and then, you know, you see this message and I like, no, it's what is this? Is this spam? Like, yeah. I don't know what this is. Yeah. So I kind of like left it on the side and I went back to sleep because I was like, like probably nothing. And then I woke up and like I kept dreaming about it the whole night. And then I woke up in the morning. I was like, no, this is actually an email that I got. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't dreaming. Um, so, of course, I replied and um, I had to like, um, like it was all very confidential. So I didn't tell anyone that what was going on. I didn't even tell Cyan or Christina what was going on. Um, so I had to go through a few days of interviews, of panel interviews more interviews like it was wow. like a tough selection process so mm -hmm. i kept passing like each selection and i was okay like reaching the end um and then they told me oh we're gonna tell you um like we're gonna announce the the answers like in a few days mm -hmm. i was like okay so i have a few days now to relax and spend time with Simon and christina get our work done and then i'm not gonna really think about it for now um and then like one day on International Moon Day, which is the the the, the anniversary of the moon landing. So yeah. that was really, really like, relevant. And Cyan and Christina had like, we had spent the day like on for this event. And then we had an evening. In the evening, we had this work meeting with another company, with Cube Consultants, actually it's an architecture firm here in Egypt. Um, and I got a message from Space for Humanity saying something about like Adobe that I messed up a signature or something. And I was like, well, I'm in a work meeting now. Can it wait? Like, um, I can't really leave the meeting right now. They're like, no, no, it's urgent. <laughs> well, wow. like, okay. So I, I went outside and in this conference room, like it was all glass door. Like it was, a, there was a just, like it was all just glass. Mm -hmm. And they were all in the conference room having their meeting. And I just went outside to get, get, take the call. And uh, she, um, like, like, or, like Michaela from Space for Humanity, she said, oh, I'm just going to take a recording because uh, just in case you need, you have trouble with Adobe again. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, just, you can. And then they told me that I was going to space. Wow. And like, that was the most intense moment of my life. Like being told that I was going to space, it was, 
such an overwhelming feeling and I couldn't believe it. Like I kept saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I kept just on repeating no. And then like everyone could see me from the glass window. Oh my God. So I went back in and the strangest thing happened. Cyan saw me and she said, she asked me if I was going to space. Like she didn't know about anything beforehand. She mm -hmm. had no idea. It's just from my reaction because she had gone to space. She had gotten this call a year before. Wow. And I said, yes, that I was going to space. And like, it was just a lot of celebration, a lot of like <laughs> overwhelming wow. feelings. And it's so strange because just a year before, Cyan got her news that she was going to space. And I watched her like in her documentary and I like teared up seeing her get her news. And a year later, she was with me in person in Egypt wow. with Christina. And she cried when I got my news. Wow. Like, it's so weird how the universe works. Like, what are the odds of huh? both of them being with me in Egypt in person? And well, I got this news that day on the day of the anniversary of Apollo landing. So it's just... It's a meant bunch to be. of crazy Incredible. events that make you be. think, okay, this, the universe is working with me here. Like the universe wants me to do this. I feel like I am on the right path here. And I feel like the universe is pushing me to do this. And it sounds cheesy, I know, but it does feel like I do have this connection with the universe that is just insane. Um, wow, this is so amazing. this is how, how it happened. Sarah, <laughs> wow. the whole story, it feels like like something surreal, you know, it, it, it's really, uh, it, it's really amazing. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, what uh, I to the day of um, the mission, uh, tell us, uh, tell us about the feeling that day. So the day of, um, so when I got my news, I only had two weeks to prepare. So it was really fast. That's it, two weeks. Wow. Yes. It was crazy intense. Um, my whole life flipped upside down in two weeks. Like everything changed. Um, it was very overwhelming at the beginning because of course you have to do like um, so much in such a short amount of time and everyone wants to hear about it. You know, and, like it was a big deal in Egypt, of course, because I was the first to have done something right. um, like, like this big and it was so far away. You know, it's not something that we're used to hear about in Egypt at all. So it was, mm -hmm. I, I felt so honored to be doing this, but at the same time, I had to prepare myself psychologically to, to the fact that I was about to sit, be sitting on the rockets, you know, like it was a lot happening at the same time in such a short amount of time that when the day actually came it felt like wow it's finally happening you know I know it's like two weeks of just this craziness this crazy crazy craziness and then you know you get to the astronaut village um where um it's blue origins facility so they have a whole astronaut village and the astronaut training center there so we trained very intensely um three for three days before the mission and you met the whole crew. So there was a lot of crew bonding, you know, with the other astronauts. And it was just incredible. Everyone at Blue Origin has been just, they're just family to me now. Like it's really, really, there's such an incredible wow. team. And so when the day came, um, it's really, really, it's it's beautiful how like it was structured to be honest. So they, they sent, they brought in all of our family members really early in the morning. I think it was like 5 a.m. So we had said our goodbyes with our families like we uh everyone gave us like last items to take with us to space and stuff like this and you know you said the goodbyes it was such a good environment like good and positive environment before doing something that was going to be very very intense um and we left everyone we wrote in our rivians we went to the astronaut training center we had like our final briefing final review um we tried to keep it light so we really bonded as a crew as well. We like played ping pong with this like, like little, little tiny, <laughs> tiny little racket and a <laughs> tiny little ball and just ping, ping pong <laughs> on a big conference table. It's just, you know, trying to really bond with the crew because we're about to experience something that very, 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 very few people in the history of humanity have experienced. And you're going to be experiencing with, with these people for the first time. And no one is ever going to experience it for the first time, like with these people ever again, you know? So it's something that is, it's, it's a very very like emotional you know moments that you have with this crew and then you get ready you wear your your suit you wear your flight suit you have your final final like a bathroom warning of course um because well, once you're sitting <laughs> yeah. on a rocket like of it's course. Done, <laughs> you can't go back <laughs> so we get that done 
we ride in our Rivinians and um, we have like all of our family and friends again, like with the bells, just kind of saying their goodbyes on our way to the to the rockets. And it was early in the morning and I see like I could see like those the sun was rising, but like it was already up, but it wasn't like fully up there yet. And there was this moment um, and this was the first time that I see um, the rocket on the launch pad. You know, this is the rocket like it's already like it's already alive, you know, it's mm -hmm. already there. Um, and I, the windows were down like there was it was like a lot of really, really nice wind. It was a nice morning. It wasn't too warm. And I remember looking at this rocket for the first time and everything stopped. Like, honestly, time stopped. Nothing else existed. And I couldn't believe that I was looking at this rocket and I was thinking I'm about to be sitting on this rocket and launching this space. And it was just this crazy moment that I will never forget in my life. It was one of the most significant moments of my life, you know, looking at it in, those, in this time. And I will always remember this feeling of like the happiest I have ever felt and the most excited that I have ever felt in my life. Because mm -hmm. you're about to do something that you've dreamed of, that you've worked so hard for and that you've been always told where that would never happen to you. You know, it's and you're also doing this and I think as a woman also as like an Arab and someone from our part of the world, you're not doing it for yourself. Like it's not you only right. like it's really not about you anymore. You know, it becomes about something that's so much bigger. You're presenting something else. And for me, that was such a like a proud moment that just like I will never, ever, ever forget. And that was one of the most significant moments that made me realize that that was actually happening. And of course, we walk up to the launch pad, we sit in the rocket, you have, like, you're literally sitting on a, like, a live rocket, you know, you're, you're there, and you have, like, some wow. time that passes, um, and in the training, you know, you know all of the sounds, you know, the sound that you're going to hear from the engine, you know, you, you, you know everything by heart, you know, it becomes muscle memory, you know, you, like, you close your harness, and the order that you're taught, like, everything is just muscle memory, then they close the hatch, like, they close the, the, the capsule door on you, um, then, you know, the ignition, the, the, the rocket ignites, you know, and you're told that before during the training, but it's crazy when you experience it yourself, like how strong it is. And also the fact that like, if you're not told this before, you would probably be freaking out in this moment, but there's a reflection of the fire, like on the windows. So it feels oh, like the capsule oh. is lighting up on fire, but it's just a reflection. Oh my God. But in that moment, you're seeing that. <laughs> if you're not aware of that yes. beforehand, you'd probably freak out. hundred <laughs> percent, wow. But like we trained, you know, we, we knew that that was gonna happen. Um, so it was just pure excitement and I didn't feel alone. And we're with the crew as well. I think it mattered so much that we were in constant communication, asking about each other, like talking, making jokes, and I mean, trying to make it a little bit light. But at the same time, you're in your head, you're you're doing this. And it's like both a very personal moment, but also a moment with your crew. Like you have both of these things happening at the same time. And then, of course, you launch into space and the colors change. Like you're going higher than you've ever been in your life and higher than most of humanity has ever been. And like you're looking out this window and the colors change. You know, it's we launched during the day. So it was light blue at the beginning and it goes from light blue to darker blue to purple and then black. And there's nothing else telling you that you're in space, but this visual cue. And you become confused because I think in your in your head or in my head, I thought that once we exit Earth, I would probably feel it somehow. Like you would probably feel it, you know, like something in your body or something like you feel exiting something, but you don't. So the only thing telling you that you're in space is this visual cue. So your brain is just very confused. Like what? I'm already in space. Like that's we're there. It was so fast, you know, like you get there really, really fast. And you're this, this feeling, this thought just stayed with me for a very long time. That space is just right there. Like it's not really something separate from earth. We're just leaving earth for like, and it's just right there. Um, and of course you have separation. So the booster separates from the capsule. You feel that you have, um, and then you're floating, you're floating in space. And it's the, the one of the most beautiful feelings ever. Like wow. you're very, it feels very liberating, but the best feeling ever is looking at earth. Yes. Like 
looking out this window, I will never forget. I think this image is just etched in my brain. Like it's never ever gonna go away and how bright earth is and how dark the universe is. And then you see this thin blue line that everyone talks about, but it's really thin and it's really blue and it's, 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 it's lighting up, you know? And it's, you know, you're just looking at it and nothing else matters. You know, it's just, you're looking at earth and you're thinking, you're not really thinking, you know, it's just, you're looking at it. And I think for the first time in my life, I, I felt like it felt like home. You know, I felt like I was meant to do this. And when we went back down, um, it was also a very exciting journey coming down with the high G's, like we experienced five G's. Um, and then we landed, of course, very exciting <laughs> when the parachutes came out that, okay, we were safe now, <laughs> we're not, nothing's gonna happen. Um, but it really stays with you. It really, really stays with you. And it is the most beautiful thing that you could ever experience. And the first thing that I said when I came back down was that it's right there and that everyone needs to experience this. And it just felt I had to go like I was feeling a lot of guilt for like some time after mm. because I felt like everyone should be able to experience this. And it felt very unfair to me that only 630 people has been able to see this. And the fact that I was one of them felt very if I had trouble accepting it, uh, to be honest. Um, and it's just made me even more passionate and made me even more driven to be able to bring this opportunity for everyone because it belongs to everyone. It doesn't belong to just a select few. Right. It shouldn't be this exclusive club that only a few people get to experience. It belongs to literally everyone. Mm -hmm. And everyone needs to be able to see this because it's so beautiful and it changes everything. It really changes everything. Wow, that, that sounds really incredible. And it's really incredible that it feels like you like lived it second by second and it's like really you were like aware of every little second of it and that's like really it's quite quite an experience that'll stay with you so so sada when you, you talk about you know the experience and how it stays with you and how you feel like this should be more accessible to to everyone so let's talk about your deep space initiative you know how, how did that come about and you know what is deep space initiative and what do you hope to achieve through it yes of course so deep space initiative we're a nonprofit company and what we're trying to do is bring more opportunities and bring more accessibility to the space field um, through research and education. And we also have a legal department where we're trying to educate uh, Congress about um, why we need to be changing things a little bit when it comes to the laws that make it so inaccessible for people like us. So because when I started my journey in the space field, um, I found how inaccessible it was. I couldn't do certain types of research because just of my passport, you know. Um, so for me, I thought, well, a lot of people are experiencing this, so we need to be doing something about it. So this is what DSpace Initiative is doing. So it's bringing more opportunity. And this year we had three teams um, present at the International Astronautical Congress. So they presented their work, they had their work published. Um, now we're running a longer program called Andromeda. Um, it's a one year long program where we provide researchers with advisor an advisor and a supervisor so an expert in the field so they could be from nasa or essa or just an expert and you know in the field in general and a supervisor who's um really um has experience in research and in technical writing so you get both of this to be able to really do research that enables deep space exploration so our mission is to connect you know people to be able to do this and not have restrictions on who can do this but also at the same time our mission is to enable deep space exploration so we want to be solving some of the biggest problems that exist in deep space by bringing people with different perspectives and not having this restriction on people so this is what we do at deep space initiative so uh, i just want to circle back to to uh, to a really important point you mentioned uh, imposter syndrome and uh, look at your resume and about uh, at your your achievements so far at a very young age and uh, see that that this person would never feel imposter syndrome but uh, but everybody uh, feel it at some point of their career uh, uh, how uh, what advice do you have to uh, to especially young uh, uh, young arab american uh, and uh, and immigrants in particular uh, that uh, they're they're going through all that that challenges uh, during their journey and uh, you're 
your push through education and research uh, to explore more into scientific fields and more into space uh, science? I have a lot of advice to give here. Um, and already being an immigrant, that shows courage and shows like that you've already taken a big step. So the fact that you are here, the fact that you have taken, made this decision, made this choice to be looking for something bigger, you know, is already something that you, you should congratulate yourself on, that you should be proud of because you've already taken a very big step, you know? So this is something that you should stop and celebrate also. So I think celebrating the small moments is really, really important. And I feel like I suffer from that. I don't do that myself, but I feel like I should be listening to my own advice, but also separate, like celebrating the small things. And then another big thing is that you can use life's challenges to push you. And as an immigrant, I feel like we also, we all face certain challenges as Arabs as well, like from, you know, from being perceived a certain way, from having, you know, um, you know, people saying like, oh, they're surprised that we're nice or something, you know, like there's a lot of things that you're being told all the time. You know, you have this image that you feel like that you need to be breaking. You know, I feel like I, I like we do suffer that. And as immigrants, like like we're going to be honest about it, like it's not it's not always easy, but I feel like you can use that to push you forward. So for me, whenever I Whenever I went through a hard time in my life, I used it to push me forward. I would kind of like take it in and just keep it. And because you have all of this energy inside of you or this anger or this, you know, feel like the sense of unfulfillment that you, you're not doing what you're, you're, that you're, you're, you're put on this earth to be doing. When you have this feeling, when you have this energy inside of you, you can use it to push you forward. You can really use it to motivate you to have more discipline, to really be able to push yourself. But um, at the same time, like there's a lot of things that we suffer in our heads, like thinking that we're always not enough, but we're never going to be enough. You know, you're always going to be improving. And I think that's something that we need to accept. And it's never like we, we should never try to be better than someone else. You just be, be better than you were yesterday. So I think that's when we separate the two, when we don't look at someone else's journey and be like, oh, like they're doing so much more than I am. No, but people ha are going through different journeys. You don't know how difficult it was for them. You know, you don't know what they've had to go through and no one's life is perfect. No one, even if they do reach success on earth, they do, you know, achieve everything that they've wanted. It's not like nothing is perfect. We should always keep that in mind that it's never, you never reach this perfection in your mind. We're like, okay, now my life is perfect. You know, you're never going to get there. I think we should also re like, think we should always do everything with this understanding, but it's, you're always a work in progress and you're always going to be looking to do more. And that's life. It's just about the journey. It's just about doing more and trying to be as good as you can to other people at the same time. And I think like it's cheesy, but I think it's really important to touch on this because you're never going to get to wherever you want to be without people around you. And I think that's really important. You shouldn't never harm someone else for to get what you want, let's say. Like it's really something that I think like when if you're in a competitive environment, especially like try to help them, you know, try to help anyone who's around you because because that really, really matters. And that really is the way that things should go. We're never going to achieve success without, you know, working together. And we should always also remove the idea that it's, um, you know, that if you take if you take this one piece, there's going to be less, you know, number of like pieces to take afterwards. It's not that, you know, there's going to be more pieces to give and then more and then more and then more. You know, the fact that the space field has a lot more companies working on designing rockets and spaceships, that's so much better. It's so healthy to have more and more companies doing that because it's benefiting the largest amount of people in the end. It's going to bring down the prices. It's going to bring uh, accessibility up. So there's always this idea that we need to break a little bit that like we're all in this together like it's really all of us pushing together and when it comes to imposter syndrome it's really it's always going to be there you know when I was told that I was going to space it was really really challenging for me to accept that I was chosen because you know you always think that you don't deserve it you always think that maybe someone else deserves it more than you and i I think I have not said this publicly, actually, but I will say it. Um, I almost gave up my spot to a friend of mine because I knew that she was in the running. Wow. Um, because I don't 
because I thought that she would be deserving of this too. And I didn't want to be like taking away something from someone else. But then one of my best friends, he insisted and told me like, it's not up to you. It's not your decision. It's their decision in the end. Um, you don't like, you should not make this decision like in, 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 in their behalf. Like it's mm -hmm. not really how mm -hmm. it works. So I was like, okay, so that relieved, that removed a lot of the pressure on me. And I thought whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to be completely myself, completely honest with my motivations, completely honest with everything. And that, you know, well, it happens that they selected me, but it wasn't, it was because of how honest I was. So I think that brings up the next part of like honesty, like do everything with integrity and honesty, because that will get you so much farther than not, you know, and everything that I do, I try to be as direct as possible. Like, I think being abstract and indirect or hiding this and hiding that of course in business you have to be strategic with the information that you share that's completely understandable um but there is a fine line that maybe sometimes you shouldn't be crossing you know and whenever you are in this position where you think oh maybe i should i should i be crossing or should i not just the fact that you are thinking that that you know you know what you should be doing so that's an advice for people who are in like business or politics because now I am getting involved in politics, which is an, a whole other thing for me. You know, it's a, a whole other world. Like I've, I'm used to like, like academia and then in business as well, like it's a whole different language to use in both. And now I'm using like this whole third language in politics, which is a whole world. No comment there. It's, <laughs> it's a whole other thing. But I, I have committed to doing everything with integrity and, and honesty. And I think that's what I live by. And I, I think that's the advice that I can give to anyone, because if we live in a society and believe that the fact that your neighbor, the person with you is doing the same thing, we are going to get farther together. And that's the only way that we should be striving. You know, we should be like looking to do in our life. Right. Mm. This is why you do things like it's right. the whole purpose of everything. Right. So, so Sarah, you, you talk about, you know, empowering yourself through empowering people around you and like working with with honesty and integrity. and. You know, I want to touch on like one quick point about empowering other young Arab women to break through barriers and, and, and just get places that are not dreamt of before. Do you feel like we're making progress towards breaking these barriers? I'm an optimist in that. Like, I think we are, to be honest. Um, I think the more representation we have, the more it's going to happen. Um, and I will be honest here about a few things as well, because I think it's important to talk about these things. So a few things, I will share a story of in my own journey, what I have experienced, like the positives and the negatives here. So the negatives being like when I got into engineering and wanted to do mechatronics, some people told me not to do it because it would be too difficult for someone like me. And then when I wanted to do biomedical engineering, they were like, but why are you doing it? You're never going to get any opportunities in your country, you know? And then when I wanted to do like get into the space field, um, I was told it would be a waste of time. You know, so I was always told these negative things where no one really believed that anything that I was doing was possible. And I was always told, like, why can't you be normal? You know, and I'm sure like we've heard it a lot, like in our community as well, like it's always like, why can't you be normal? You know, but my advice like to that would be don't listen to these things. If you believe that something is possible, if you believe in yourself, that's like all that matters. It all starts with you believing in yourself. and. The more women are breaking those barriers, the more Arabs have are having representation in the field, the more this is going to happen. You know, if if you are always told that, you know, but you see someone, you know, like if like a kid is watching, you know, you guys also do amazing work and really talk to people and really do really great things and achieve success. And like this person in this field doing this and this person like went to my same school and is doing this, you know, you think it's possible, then you see yourself there. And I think that breaks barriers you know just one person doing one thing like you have no idea how many people they're influencing in the end and that to me is like the greatest gift that i have been able to like that i was giving in my life to be able to like maybe bring more like the sense of possibility to people in our side of the world to lebanese people to egyptians to africans the arabs you know just the sense that it is possible like she did it like i mean i can too you know so that for me is really, really important. So I think we are moving towards like a better, you know, more equitable future, but we're a long way to go, of course. Right. Like it's not, we still 
to this day face a lot of like comments and stuff and a lot of people in Egypt still did not believe that I went to space you know and this is also something that I like it's a sensitive topic but I think it's really important to talk about and it's okay because whenever you're trying to do something significant you're always going to have resistance if you don't have resistance then you're not doing something big enough to be honest like you're not I mean it's it's just life so a lot of people in Egypt resisted the idea that I actually went to space you know so not all of the reaction was positive a lot of a lot of it was positive, but there was a lot of negativity too. There was a lot of disbelief in the possibility that an Egyptian did something like this. And like, not only was she Egyptian, but she's a woman, you know, that the first person in a country to have done something is a woman. So for a lot of people in Egypt, especially like, I think older generations or like, I'm not completely sure, but there was a lot of reluctance to, to like the belief that it happened. So we are, on our way, I believe there is more and more representation that is helping with breaking those barriers. We do still need to work on the, 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 the like spread of misinformation that is constantly happening that I have suffered from, um, like people spreading misinformation about me. But I never try to defend myself. I never try to like, like it's okay. It's it gives me more power because it gives me like it allows it me it makes me believe that I actually am trying to change something. Because if if it wasn't like a debate, if there wasn't like both sides, that you're not really doing something right. of significance. And it's normal to always have two opinions on a topic, right? And it's okay. Like the information, the correct information is out there, you know. So it's it's completely okay. So we do have a long way to go. And I think like in our world where it's so easy to spread misinformation, I think that it is the number one cause that is like, could be very harmful in the future. Mm -hmm. oh, it's harmful now. I mean, but it could be more and more harmful. And I think we should probably start finding solutions for it like right. somehow um, because it influences a lot of things, not just, right. you know, the space field, not just the tech field, not just our part of the world, but it's really, a very big problem that we are facing as like humans. They don't understand that, that science and science discoveries are objective truth, whether you believe in it or not. So, so, uh, 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 social media, uh, uh, يعني فللأسف بتخيل with your efforts and and a lot of efforts in in enhancing education and having people to to be more educated about these topics will their their grasp of of these discoveries would be would be more effective. Sara, what's next for Sara Sabri? A lot of things. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm currently working on a lot of things at the same time, but it's really, really exciting. Uh, for, with Deep Space Initiative, we're like we're developing our education department, so we're gonna be making announcement, like big announcements, very soon for that, and also within our legal department and like our research and drama that we just closed applications, so it's not open anymore. Um, but we will be, you know, opening the next round of applications in April. And apart from Deep Space Initiative, um, I'm, continue, I'm continuing my astronaut training um, just to hopefully get to orbit and eventually the moon and Mars. So that's my like personal goal to continue doing that, um, to live and work on the moon and Mars. And for that, I also work with a company called Space Flight Institute. So mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is bring more astronaut training opportunities and we're working with the FAA to get accredited. And mm. like, it's a really, we want to bring this more to the commercial side because we're going to reach a point where there's going to be more um, opportunities for commercial astronauts, but we're going to need to train them before they go. So these, this company and this, like we have a, a, um, astronaut can, like an astronaut professional certificate where once you get it, you are done, you're set. You can actually, you qualify to go to space. Um, so that's one of the projects. Um, that I'm currently like working with. And then like, um, I used to work with the Egyptian Space Agency on a few things, so there might be some continuation there. And then I'm also founding um, another company um, since coming back from space. So I will also be making announcements there. So like, there's a lot of work that's being done for the past, 
like quite some time Amazing. that is going to be announced early next year. So there's wow. going to be a lot of things um, that I'm going to be announcing, like related to my uh, second company and then a, a third project that I'm working on also with. So I met with the Minister of um, Economic Development and Planning in Egypt, and we're hoping to bring more um, more space to Egypt, you know, more like of the space uh, feel to Egypt. So mm -hmm. related to like education and a few other things that um, I'm really, really, really excited about as well, because it's really it's we, we need to be doing that. We need to have Egypt and our part of the world be part of the map, you know, yes. of like in space. We don't want to have people on the moon only look a certain way, you know, be only from a certain one side of the world because it's not an actual representation of humanity. We need, you know, space to be an actual representation of the demographics of Earth. And we need for that because that, so that's why we need more people from, you know, Africa, from the Middle East to be partaking in these um, missions and in this in this in these endeavors, basically. Yes. So that's my other thing. Um, so basically, there's a lot of things that I like I can't really announce yet because they will the be works. announced very yeah. soon. But you can like follow me on um, Instagram and LinkedIn, like where I'll be making those announcements. Great. We'll, we'll be looking forward to it. So a quick, a quick fire round, Sarah, okay? Like just a few quick questions and give me your short answers to them is what motivates you? What keeps you going? Motivates me and keeps me going is the feeling of necessity. It's an obligation. Um, I feel like I feel a, sense, a great sense of obligation to be doing things and everything that I've done, I've done it because it was necessary and I loved doing it. So I would say necessity. Okay. And a lot of people will be looking at you and your story for inspiration. Who do you look up for as your inspiration? That's a good question. And I have been asked that. Um, the thing is, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm a very visual person. So I think I'm very inspired by the idea of something happening. So I'm, I kind of try to manifest certain things where I try to think, okay, this is possible. Like I try to plan it. I know like, okay, if this is done, then this is this, this is this. I'm a very big, um, like, like problem solution type of person. But so there's a problem needs to be solved. Like I'll do it. Like it's necessary. I'll do it. And I do it. So I just visualize a lot. And I think when I'm in situations where it's difficult or like it's challenging because of course like along the way it's always that way i visualize things a lot like i always try to think about like the problem that i'm trying to solve here like why am i doing what i'm what i'm doing and that inspires me um and of course like elon musk has inspired me like his work ethic his drive of course has like pushed me a lot stephen hawking has like changed my whole perspective on everything um it's so the reason why I got into the space field, it was because of Stephen Hawking. Um, so Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk and visualization okay. inspire me. Amazing. Great. And, and lastly, what is the scariest moment of your career so far? Scariest moment? Um, there's been a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't, believe it or not, it was not when i was launching to space okay that was not the scariest moment because people thought i like i get asked a lot if i was scared but i wasn't yeah. scared at all i felt very comfortable i felt very excited so i wasn't scared of that um i think when i came back from space everything felt very different and it wasn't so much fear it was just this weird feeling that I was like everything my understanding of everything changed so like here we're touching on like the overview effect how like your perspective changes and everything is different and that to me I guess is the closest thing to fear like in my career where everything didn't make the same sense anymore and it felt like I was like almost taken away from where I was meant to be like I felt this new connection with the universe and I think that was like a scary period where I like everything was was different. Like everything was completely different. Everything was made different sense. You know, my perspective on everything changed. My relationships with people, with with everything changed. So 
that was a very like weird period and if you ask any astronaut anyone who's been to space like they do go through this period of like everything being weird you know and that to me was like a big like moment in my life where it was very weird and very significant also that has like was a big transition to my new reality you know mm -hmm. okay uh, Sara, uh, thank you so much of everything you did and uh, everything you will do in uh, this field. Uh, every, uh, every Arab and Arab American will look up to what you did and, and uh, get inspiration and motivation from you. Uh, we, will, we will definitely uh, try to help in spreading awareness, uh, spreading application uh, for Arab Americans in, in the US if, if you need that cohort and uh, we, would, uh, we would try to support in any way or shape we can. So, so thank you so much uh, and uh, it was an amazing interview. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.